there in podcast land. You have set your dial once again into old combat sports with Ron, or as we also affectionately call it CSWR, episode 37, featuring my interview with Rafion Superstats. So see, once again, did not bury the lead. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our schedule for today. Uh, we're going to have our Dana White Contender Series recap, the heavyweight boxing recap from last night, Bellator 244 main card recap from Friday, our full UFC Fight Night Las Vegas 7 breakdown, Drea's drop of the night, main card picks for next Saturday's Fight Night Smith versus Racket, Q&A from the Rhino Gang, gang gang, then the aforementioned Rafion Superstats, two-time NCAA wrestling champion, Bellator future 135-pound champ, goes 10 rounds of Rhino, it's awesome, let's go ahead, put our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on, and dive right in, shout out Lonely Island. Okay, Tuesday night, we had Dana White Contender Series, again, like I told you guys last week, I'm not going to do like a full breakdown of the card, uh, I'm just going to tell you who fought, who got the contracts, and that's how we're going to do it from here on out for the Contender Series, so... We had 155er Kenny Cross versus Kevin Seiler, uh, a previous contender on DWCS. So Kenny Cross from Michigan was rude for him. He looked great early, really gassed out. I know he had two weight cuts, they said. Uh, so he got the unanimous decision over Seiler, but no contract for Kenny Cross. So we'll probably see him down the road, I'm guessing. Then another Michigan fighter, John Parisian, former tough alum and also former Dana White Contender Series fighter, uh, fought Chad Johnson, got the big TKO in the first round. He gets a contract. Then the first of the two Koski brothers, uh, Orion, got a third-round TKO over a very tough Matt Dixon, got a contract. So Orion Koski contract as well at 170. Then moving on to Cheyenne Byes, beat Hillary Rose by unanimous decision at 115. She gets a contract. I feel like Oprah right now. He gets a contract. He gets a contract. Then we had Victor Riena versus the other Koski brother, Lewis, and uh, at 170. And Lewis Koski uh, also got a win and a contract. So good on him. Good on everybody who got a contract. Another cool night of Dana White Contender Series. Uh, moving our way into, I know this, I know this was on Saturday, but just for you know keeping the good flow, I'm gonna just do my real quick boxing uh, from the heavyweight division. Alexander Povetkin, the 40-year-old, the longtime vet going against Dylan White. Dude, what a fucking fight this was if you guys caught it. And if you didn't, it's worth watching the replay. Povetkin and Dylan White, they go to war early. Povetkin gets dropped twice uh, in the first four rounds, but then in the fifth, a brutal fucking left uppercut from Povetkin right on Dylan White. Dylan White was out upon impact. He fell back like a zombie. Hit the mat, completely out. Povetkin wins by fifth round. Clean KO. Holy shit, that was awesome. So I wanted to get that little boxing beat in there before we uh, rocked over to Bellator's main card. Because as you know, I said it before and I'll say it again. This is not a MMA show. This is a combat sports show. So moving into Bellator's main card from Bellator 244. John Salter versus Andrew Capel. Um, we got a third round arm triangle choke for Salter. Big win for him. Moving into Valentine Moldovsky versus Roy Nelson. Really, this was a pretty boring fight. Uh, it was very slow paced. Clear UD from Moldovsky. Roy asked, Roy went up to Bellator's uh, president, Scott Coker, after the fight and asked for one more. And apparently he wanted Mitrione. I don't know. I think he's like 44 or 45 years old. If he says, okay, just one more, make sure there's some sort of stipulation or just one more. Roy Nelson is something that I'd never, you know, you think I'd be a fan of, but I really never was. 
I didn't like his personality when we got to know it on Tough. Um, of course, I like some of his fights, some of his big overhand right KOs. I like the fact that he's got a beer paunch belly, but I just never really liked his attitude. Um, yeah, that just, that's that's me for Roy Nelson. So uh, moving on to Julia Budd, she got a very clear cut. And again, not the most exciting fight in the world versus Jessica uh, Mealy, UD after three. It was it was really it was a lot of uh, top control. Not a ton of stuff happened. Not a ton of damage. So that was that. So then moving on to the actual fight that really made some waves in the MMA landscape, Ryan Bader, the heavyweight and light heavyweight champion of Bellator versus Vadim Nemkov, a, everybody knows I'm the biggest Fedor fan ever, and he's a Fedor student. So you knew I was rooting for this one, man, what a second round KO dude. Vadim started it off with a beautiful head kick which, you know, really cracked Bader and fucked him up. And then that went on to a bunch of unanswered shots, both on the ground and when Bader would try to, like, valiantly get himself up to his feet, Nemkov would just hit him with shot after shot. Bader at one point kind of pulled the try to run away, you know what I mean, uh, escape and run a few feet, but Nemkov caught him with another shot, put him down, thankfully he got stopped. Brand new light heavyweight champion in the Bellator division. This was a fun fucking finish. Oh, I loved it. So... Moving on to our bonus, our bonus coverage from Bellator 244, my man, Josh, the Gentleman Hill, former interviewee who's gone 10 rounds of Rhino, wonderful guy. You want to talk about what's right in MMA, you want to talk about clean technique, crisp punching, nice kicks, great angles, way to move off defensively, uh, good takedowns, good timing, level changes. This dude has it all, long-time vet. He's only got three losses, and two of them are to Marlon Marias. So, I mean, there's no shame in that. You want to talk about a top-level guy, put him on the main event next time. Well, or at least the co-main uh, for your next fight. The dude deserves it. He is ready to rock and roll. Big shout-out to my man, the gentleman, Josh Hill, for his big win on uh, their stage last night. So, we're going to jump our way into UFC Fight Night Vegas 7 recap where i went seven and two and when we get dre on the line we'll ask her how she did i'm sure she'll want to share it with everybody okay so uh last night one of the biggest upsets and i even asked a uh a voice question on juice's show fwm about this one so to more value of our value versus uh trevin jones dude value was the fucking man in the first round all these beautiful kicks lots of different striking techniques really crumpled Jones with a nice shot to the body in the first, but man, Jones came back in the second, threw a beautiful straight shot, put Valiev down, finished him off. It was amazing. What a great comeback on a night of comebacks and underdogs winning. So Tevin Jones, Trevin Jones, short notice, almost no camp, coming from a small, you know, uh, coming from a small gym. None of it mattered, dude. He got he got the win last night against a much higher ranked, more experienced guy who was coming off a full camp. All the respect to Jones on that one. So moving on, that was at a catch weight of 140, by the way. Uh, moving into 170, we had Matthew Semmelsberger, who got a UD over uh, Carlton Minus coming out of uh, Alaska. So Semmelsberger kind of reminded me of a hybrid of maybe like a green uh, Carlos Condit, Matt Brown kind of hybrid, right? Kind of built similar, kind of had that very – straight stand up uh threw really hard shots matthew semmelsberger did a great job against the you know pretty highly touted uh carlton minus so uh it was a really good fight i really enjoyed it so semmelsberger gets the clear ud on the, in that one uh moving on to the 205 division we had ike villanueva 
versus Jordan Wright. This one started out amazing. <laughs> Jordan Wright, who uh, they called the Beverly Hills Ninja, immediately. Uh, by the way, he moved out from 85. To, he only weighed 200 in there. And I know Villanueva cuts down a lot to get to 205. So uh, Wright throws a beautiful spinning fucking head kick and hits Villanueva right off the bat, knocks him down. It didn't knock him out or anything, but it knocked him down. And then Jordan Wright went into some beautiful knees in the tie plum uh, and really opened up a huge gash. And Villanueva's, I believe it was his right eyebrow. You could dang near see his brain. It looked like, for those of you who are fans of Filipino food, it looked like Balut coming out of his eye, dude. It looked bad. So, uh, yeah, really gnarly cut. Doctor had to stop it. Clean, good first-round win for Jordan Wright at 205. I assume we'll see him back down to 185 for his next UFC fight. So, moving our way to the main card, we had uh, Austin Hubbard versus Joe Selecki. A very quick first round sub, man. You want to talk about? Uh, he he took the he was backpacking Hubbard. You know what I mean? He got his back. It was backpacking him. Put on a beautiful rear naked choke. Boom! Got the fucking win. Not much resistance. Hubbard's a good fighter, so that's a good win and an easy win. Uh, it seemed like for Selecki, so good on him. Moving our way into uh, Mizuki versus Amanda Limos. Uh, I definitely had Lemos winning this one. I know you could have made a case for Mizuki because Mizuki was really putting on the forward pressure. She held her up against the cage a lot, but she didn't do a whole lot, right? She didn't do a whole lot of damage. It was a beautiful uh, straight right from uh, Lemos who put Mizuki on her back. It, again, it was like who landed the harder strikes, who was really trying to put more of, a, of damage on, or who was really trying to control. That was really kind of how you measured it. Um, I don't know if I would have given it 30-27 for Lemos, but I definitely had her winning, which is what the judges all had, 30-27. But, but I definitely had her winning, so good on her. Um, Mizuki had uh, Aljo in her corner, which I thought was pretty cool. It was, it was good to see him back. I'd like to see him doing corner work because he is a very high IQ MMA fighter. All right, going on to Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant. This one was crazy, dude. <laughs> Dwight Grant dropped and hurt Daniel early. Uh, through, I mean, God, it must have been 30, 40 punches while Daniel was on the ground after he got hurt. None of them were landing super duper clean. You know, Rodriguez almost got stopped a couple times, even though he was blocking most. He wasn't, you know, scrambling to get out, but then he finally did. Got himself out of that position, got back to his feet, threw a fucking board shot back to Dwight Grant, really hurt Dwight Grant, and then eventually got the stoppage in the first round. I mean, that was fun dude that was that was amazing and i think it was chris tognoni was the was the referee who i affectionately call asmr ref because of his soft way he speaks and his you know the way he likes to make sure what he takes their time when they get a groin shot um i think he did a good job of letting it go because those punches that grant was hitting uh was throwing at rodriguez when he was on the ground they really weren't landing rodriguez was doing a good job of you know getting his arm and his glove in the way so yeah what a turnaround what a big what a big uh, win for Rodriguez over Grant. I still think Grant's a good fighter at 170. I think he'll be. I think he'll be back. I think we could see some good things. I know he's 35, but he's got. He doesn't have a lot of miles on him, and I think he's a good fighter. So we'll see uh, what happens next. So then, moving on to Maria Agapova versus Shanna Dobson. Uh, Shanna coming in with a sub 500 record. I believe she was three and four against Agapova. Agapova was the overwhelming favorite. Didn't matter. Agapova came out in the first round. It was pretty even. Acapulco was really throwing everything she had into every shot. She was dancing a lot before. And she was doing some sort of, you know, maybe trying to hype herself up. She was, you could tell she was like really, I don't know if it was nervous energy, but she had a ton of energy 
And she really had, they talked about it on the broadcast. She had a huge adrenaline dump, had no energy left uh, in the second. Dobson had plenty, took her down, finished the fight, dude. Ground and pound TKO win for Dobson. Good on her, good win. Agapova had to get stretchered out. And again, I don't think it was due to any sort of injury she sustained. I believe it was just she had completely emptied her tank. And so hopefully she will make that a learning experience and not do that again. But good win for Dobson. Uh, big underdog. So very good for her. All right. Moving our way to Mike Rodriguez versus Marcin Pracino. Uh, this was awesome, dude. Mike Rodriguez got the first round KO. He had he had some beautiful knees and elbows on Marcin from inside the Muay Thai clinch. Hit him with, I mean, a crushing blow once he dropped Marcin on the ground. Just he was out. Great win from Mike Rodriguez out of, out of Massachusetts. Boy, the, the Northeast, man, they're bringing on the fucking pain across various promotions in these last few months. That's for sure. Shout out to everybody up there. It just goes to show you. And they almost all came through the CES promotion. So it just goes to show you the kind of talent that some of these regional promotions really do have. And they can kind of cultivate a whole scene that comes out. And then, boom, they're kind of exploding at once. Calvin Cater, Rob Font. Uh, we're going to see Randy Costa. Lots of people from the Northeast, man, that really bring in the pain. So great on him. So that was our co-main event for last night. So D Reigns, let's go ahead and give Drea a call so we can discuss the main event from last night, which was the uh, 135 debut of Frankie Edgar versus Pedro Munoz, sir. <laughs> okay. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, the CSWR gang. We are now going to bring in our featured play, Andrea, so we can discuss the main event from last night. Frankie Edgar making his 135-pound debut versus Pedro Munoz. So, Andrea, uh, we'll go ahead and start with you. What did you think of the fight? What was your takeaway from the main event from last night? Oh, man, what a beautiful fight. I, I honestly, I wish Edgar would have gone to 135 sooner, to be honest. He looked great. Um, quick you know his punches his combos were absolutely great i um it was a tough one for me honestly going at the end of that fight i really had no idea who they were gonna pick um i was pushing towards munoz i don't know if it was just because i had him you know i wanted him to win um but it was pretty even for me i mean i had it 2-2 going into the fifth round um but the fifth round to me, I do think Edgar may have, you know, edged it over in the fifth. Uh, either way, when it got to the end, I was really just, I would have been happy with the draw, to be honest. I would have been happy, you know, with either way uh, it winning or coming out. I, I wouldn't have been upset with it. But uh, congrats to to Frankie Edgar. That was a beautiful performance. Yeah, I had it a lot of the same. I had a lot of the same kind of feelings in the last night. I picked Frankie to win, but again, I thought it was razor close which it was, and I did not think, I didn't think it was going to be a draw. I thought Frankie uh, won three rounds to two, but it was so close. I thought it was going to go. I thought, you know what? Had it been Munoz gotten the win, I would not have bitched at all. I don't think his, really anyone would have. Yeah, his damage that he caused to Frankie's face to his leg. I, I mean, what a what a beautiful fight, particularly between. I love that young lion, old lion matchup. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love when you got a guy kind of on the ascension and a guy who's kind of in the twilight. They really fucking put on a great show. I don't. I hope there's not a whole bunch of uh, detractors about you know the decision because really, the, like like we talked about last week, the narrative should be this was a great fight between two great fighters who put on an outstanding show uh, for all of us for over five fucking rounds, and they weren't even tired 
I know. At the end, I'm like, how are they not dead? (laughs) I know. Those guys were amazingly conditioned. (laughs) Definitely. Both of them. I thought it was a great fight. We have a couple of uh, Frankie Edgar questions as uh, we move on to the Rhino Gang questions. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and get into everybody's favorite feature play, Andrea's drop of the night. Who'd you have? There was lots to choose from across all the platforms of combat sports. Dude, this weekend was crazy. I between one Bellator LFS UFC fight night, it was so hard uh, for me to pick. One had uh, an amazing knockout uh, of Sangmini being dropped with a cold KO by um, Kulabdam. I it was absolutely beautiful. Um, I, these are just honorable mentions because I just couldn't let him go. Um, and then Bellator, Vadim Nemkov dominating Ryan Bader. Oh, my God. Dropping him with that beautiful head kick that, you know, it led to his finish and becoming the new uh, light heavyweight champion over there at Bellator. Um, but I'm going to say that my favorite drop uh, comes from last night's uh, UFC, Mike Rodriguez's elbow drop. Uh, and finish over Masin uh, Procneo. His clinch work on the fence, and then I mean, in center ring, dominating, just throwing knees and elbows, and he caught Marcin with this beautiful elbow uh, over the top that dropped him, and Mike finished him with two beautiful shots uh, on the come down, and it was just absolutely beautiful. So, guys and gals, if you didn't know, Muay Thai gets me excited. So, <laughs> <laughs> there was um, no, there was no question in my mind that a Muay Thai. That's where I was going to go with. <laughs> when a Muay Thai finish was going to be Drea's yeah. drop of the night. There was several. So, questions. Mike, yes. Yeah, so, Mike Rodriguez, you get Drea's drop of the night. Congratulations to you, mm-hmm. Mike Rodriguez, for Drea's drop of the night. Um, righty, so we are going to get into our main card picks for next week's UFC Fight Night Vegas, which is uh, which is being headlined by Anthony Smith versus Alexander Rackick. Now, uh, Drea, last night we you know we both put our picks out on Twitter um, for last night. <laughs> it was so hard. It was so just, hard. Just oh wait, my gosh! Just wait. Just wait. Okay, so, go ahead. Just wait. <laughs> So um, I I had a good night of picks. You know, I went seven and two. Um, how did how did you do last night? I'm I'm wondering. I'm not sure. Oh my god! I think my worst picks ever, ever three and six. And I literally, it was so hard for me to even enjoy the fights last night because it was just killing me that my <laughs> all my picks were going wrong. And it, and most of the ones I got wrong were like these crazy like comeback finishes like you know the at the beginning like oh he's totally gonna get knocked out and then they come back and finish and i was just like screeching like it was so hard for me to enjoy it but either way the fights were absolutely great my picks were absolute shit (laughs) the fun part was like normally normally you and i have like an uh, like an ongoing banter throughout the fights like we're 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 texting each other i didn't even want to talk to you last last night you wouldn't even respond to me i'll be like oh i'm you know i'm five and one or whatever i not the crickets man i got nothing from her and then later i was like seven to two how'd you do it then there's nothing i got to get a response until this morning i was like okay I was literally sitting there watching the fights with my arms crossed. I felt like a (laughs) twelve-year-old. Like, (laughs) 
Oh my god, that's I was so, so mad. That's how I was last week, dude. I picked terrible last week, so I'm glad I had a bounce oh. back for this week. And you'll probably have a bounce back. So next I week, hope. So. I really hope that next week I have a bounce back. All right, so let's go ahead. And, <laughs> I know, right? Let's go ahead and dive into our picks. We got the contender series that uh, Ipa Kasangane versus Mackey Coconut Bombs Patolo. I got I got the I got the new guy. I got the young buck. I got Impa Ooh. winning by unanimous decision over Mackey Coconut Bombs Patolo. And Coconut Bombs, as we all know, is Juice's most favorite nickname in the entire landscape of MMA. So <laughs> make sure you remind him of that if you want to tweet at him. Be like, oh you love the nickname Coconut Bombs too, so do I. Okay. So what do you got for that one? I got I got Impa by UD. I have coconut bombs, um, TKO in the third. I, I'm taking Patolo for um, okay. TKO in the third. And then finally, the ever put off rematch between Magomed Ankalaya versus Ayn Kutalaba is supposedly going to happen next week. We'll see. <laughs> I don't want to count my chickens, but I have, I have changed my pick that I had before, and I'm going no, 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 no. Oh, same okay. guy. I'm just going different style. I okay. got Magomed Ankalaya by second round, TKO. Over Ian Kutlov, and I'm even going to go specifically enough to say this: up against the cage, in the clinch position, overhand right elbow to the temple, puts Kutlov down. Second round TKO, Ankalaya. Wow, that was really descriptive there, right? Yeah, I'm very specific. (laughs) (laughs) I'm predicting. I'm still sticking with um, Kutlov. I I think. I'm probably crazy for it, but I think this is going to be an upset. Uh, Ion Kutalaba, KO, round two. All right. Then we got Ji Young Kim versus Alexa Grasso. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Kim. I got Kim by unanimous decision over the very tough and young Grasso. Unanimous decision for Kim. What do you about you? I debated on this one. Um, but I'm I'm gonna stick with my with my gut and go Alexa Grasso. Uh, unanimous decision. Alrighty. Then we got Ruthless Robbie Lawler, the longtime bet versus Neil Magny, another guy with tons of in cage experience and wins. I've got Robbie Lawler by third round TKO over Neil Magny. What say you, future player Drea? I really hate going against Robbie Lawler. Then don't um, do it. Uh, <laughs> man. <laughs> I really, I really do, but I'm, I'm thinking this might be Neil Magny's time to shine. So I'm going Neil Magny TKO round two. Now you'll notice, fight fans and CSWR fans, when Drea starts to get soft and trail off a little bit on her pick, she's <laughs> not very confident in the pick. And we just got of that right there. So you that know one, we'll see. On that one, <laughs> I did, I did, because I, I, I love Robbie Lawler, and I, I probably shouldn't be betting against him, but. I'm doing it. We'll see what happens. I got you. I got you. I feel I respect it. All right. So, Anthony Smith versus Alexander Rakic. Even though it's the main event, it's only a three rounder. Um, so I got I got Smith by UD over Rakic. But I think this could go either way. This is really one of those fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent picks for the old Rhino. But I got Smith UD over Rakic. What about you? Um, I got to stick with my boy Anthony Smith. Um, I've been a fan of him for a long time. Uh, it was tough. I was looking at the numbers and he's the plus 245 underdog on this fight, but I'm sticking with him. I'm hoping he's going to come back from his last, um, his last ugly loss. I'm going unanimous decision for Anthony Smith. So we have one pick that's the same and the other four. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to have a... <laughs> 
this could go really good for one of us and really yeah. bad for the other. It's, it's always fun, though. We all know that. All right. So we got some great Twitter questions uh, this week. Why don't we go ahead and get started on that? I know our first one comes from my big homie from Canada, Raging Sweet Potato. And what does he have for us this week? Like you, I've been watching the UFC since I was a young man, and I am not a young man anymore. The <laughs> fighters, the sport, and everything about it have continuously evolved during my 23 years as a fan. So has my appreciation of the sport and my preferred music <laughs> viewing. Excuse me. In my teens and 20s, I enjoyed drinking and watching it with my buddies. In my 30s and now 40s, I prefer to chill out at home, smoke a few bowls, and enjoy the fights from my couch by myself as a means to wind down at the end of a long week. How has your preferred viewing method evolved as a fan, and what are your fight night rituals for food, drink, etc.? Oh, that's a great question, dude. Uh, a lot like you, um, it, you know, when I first started watching it, it was only via getting the tapes at Blockbuster, so I would watch those as a teenager in my house. Uh, then when it started to get, you know, become easier to watch live, yeah, definitely in my 20s, it was definitely hanging out with buddies at a buddy's house or having them over here. Um, occasionally, we would go to Applebee's, always showed them, you know, at that time, and so we'd go to Applebee's. Later, it became B-dubs. But yeah, man, just like you, I have really turned into the I'd much rather watch at home, by myself, you know what I mean? Kind of focus on things. I really enjoy that. I don't I don't smoke the devil's lettuce, but, uh, you know, I'm fine with anybody who uh, does whatever they need to do to relax. Uh, as far as food and drinks, so I'm going to give you a fun answer because the, the current real situation is because I've been keto for three months and active fasting. Like, I don't have anything during the fights, dude. I have a protein shake, maybe, and water, and it's fucking lame. And so when I would go to... Uh, before this, when I would go out or I would go to friends, I loved having um, wings and potato skins. Those are my two kind of go-to fight night because I still drank beer back then too. So wings, beer, and skins were kind of the holy tri trifecta of what I would have while watching the fights. And uh, yeah, dude, so that's what I did. So yeah, just like you, I completely prefer to watch them by myself now, which I know maybe because I'm 42, that's that's way it's become, but yeah, I just I just enjoy them a lot more that way. So thank you so much, Rage Street Potato. Great question, my friend, as always. Our next one I know comes from Jessica at Renee Jest. And what does she have this week, Drea? With the announcement of Megan versus Nunez, does this spell closure for the 145 division with no investment made in it for new fighters? This last question is the Oh, excuse me. <laughs> that was the end of the question. <laughs> she had a couple of questions, but we she decided to just go on one. Exactly. So that's one the question. Them, right. One of them is very similar to another one we have in the voice question. So we, we use the best one and the one that she wanted to answer the most, which is which is a really good question, dude. So sadly, yeah, yeah the women's featherweight division is by far the most shallow as far as talent pool goes, as far as even participants, right, at 145. Uh, there hasn't been any new talent that's been brought in at 145, so clearly the UFC is not doing anything to build that division. One thing I do think that it's, it's kind of it's saving grace as far as for the foreseeable future is that Amanda is the champion of not just one but two divisions. That makes her more marketable. That makes them, you know, get to pub her as, you know, two division champion. So I don't think the 145 is going to go anywhere until she retires. In that time, it would behoove them to bring in some more talent. You know, Bellator has a lot of 145ers. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good female 145ers in the world. They just haven't put any investment into it. I hope they do. If they don't and Amanda retires, then yes, 
that would be the time to dissolve the 145, the featherweight division and the women's division. And, you know, for me, and I'll talk about this more in the voice questions, I, I'd like to see a 105. I've been championing a 105 for years. My homie Mixed a Man has. I know the I know the homies at the TKO have talked about that too. Uh, the the Invicta promotion has so much talent at 105. It would be the perfect feeder into that fucking into the UFC. It would make for some awesome fights, very high pace. I'd love to see 105, uh, also known as straw weights or atom weights, which you know whatever you want to say. Uh, that's what I would like to see. So that's my answer on that one. Thank you very much, my dear friend Jessica. Now, my next question comes from Wholesome MMA and our homie who is the, the kind of the mystic of the MMA Twitter world. The, she goes on the crystals. She goes on astrological signs. Very cool. Very cool person. And what does she have for us this week, Drea? Frankie Edgar's performance was impressive, all things considering. But does it really stand up with the top five in the division? I don't necessarily see him going toe-to-toe with Aljo, Jan, or Garbrandt. So what's next for him? Would Dominic Cruz be a good match since match since uh, they're both, forgive my wording, a bit washed? Would I watch that fight? Yes. Do I think it'd be kind of a cool throwback of two old school fighters? But of course I do. And it might even end up being a pretty fun fight. But um, Frankie, at this stage of his career, he's she's coming off of a big win. So I wouldn't want him to go that far back in the rankings. You're right, though. To go against Jan or Aljo, I just don't see happening. Um, both Petra Jan and Aljamain Sterling are in the exact prime of their careers. You know what I'm saying? Frankie is more than 10 years older of both of them. He's had way more miles. You want to talk about you? People don't talk about it enough. The amount of in cage time that Frankie has is astronomical, dude. He has taken so much punishment over the years. You just can't shake that off. Uh, I think he could still compete at 135 for a while, maybe three, four fights. You know what I mean? But as far as being at the top of the top of 135, I just don't see it happening. So, yeah, Jan, I wouldn't want to mess with Jan. I wouldn't want to mess with Aljo. Probably not even Marias. Yeah, dude, I, I don't think so. I, I, I get it. In the voice questions, I kind of say what I think is next. But would I watch Dominic Cruz and would it kind of make some sense? Sure. And and I would definitely I would definitely watch and enjoy that. So thank you very very much, my dear friend Wholesome MMA. So I believe that is the end of our Twitter questions for this week. So we're going to go ahead and bid our dear friend, future player Andrea, adieu, and we are going to get into our voice questions. So Andrea, thank you so much for once again killing it this week. We always appreciate the future player Andrea and all the fire content she brings every week on CSWR. All right, have a good one. See you next week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into our voiced questions. I know our first one comes from my homie Juice at the Fighting With Myself podcast. And Juice, what do you got for us today, buddy? Rhino, my man, this is Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. I'm coming out of left field with this one. Last night, there was an event called Fight Circus hosted on Cam Soda, put on by a promotion called Full Metal Dojo. I'm super into it. One of the fights they had was two male straw weights, 115 pounders taking on one uh, middleweight, 185 pounder. Insane. And so my question to you was this. Uh, the UFC does not yet have male straw weight, uh, even though I would like to see it personally. But we do have male flyweight. Now, as a, as a self-proclaimed flyweight hater, Rhino, which two, if the UFC were to put on a bout like this, which two 
flyweights would they should they use against which middleweight? Love the show. Peace. Yeah, Juice, that's a great question, dude. I, I you know I did not catch the the fight circus. I saw some things about it on Twitter. Uh, to have two male one fifteen fight one fifteen pounders fight one male eighty fiver is that something that I would want to see in the UFC? No. No, absolutely not. I, I, you know, if, if people want to put on promotions like this where they have these, you know, crazy, obscure circus is the right word, circus style fights, more power to them. You know what I mean? If you're, that's fine. As far as the UFC goes, as far as the creme de la creme of mixed martial arts, a sport which I take really, really seriously, and other other people do too, I, I would never want to see that. Um, but if we're just talking in fantasy land. Maybe it's two flyweights versus a heavyweight would be a possible answer, but I still don't want to see that, dude. And again, I do not hate the flyweight division. I would just rather prefer those guys fight at 135 and there'd be a women's 105-pound division in this place, okay? I've talked about that many a time. I like plenty of the 125ers. It's just, I'm not a hater. You shouldn't call me a hater on that, you jerk. But uh, so, yeah, dude, I would watch one of those circus deals if it was some obscure promotion, like I think this one was, and um, you know, I'd watch it once and probably never be invested in watching it again. But if I had to pick, I would probably say two flyweights versus a heavyweight, and we could see what happened there. So, yes, my friend Juice, if you haven't already, folks, please check out the Fighting with Myself podcast. The man is hilarious. He sings. He always has great questions from his uh, from his forum. So check my man Juice out. Alrighty, I know our next one comes from the big homie Jim Soon. Jim Soon, what do you got for us this week, my man? What's going on, you much fucking casuals? Rhino and Rhino gang. Hope you're all doing well. And thank you so much for the uh, sticker. I really do appreciate it. It's pretty cool. I'll probably put that on my uh, office wall once I get it all done. Uh, but my question for you this week is, uh, what do you think is next for uh, Frankie? I hear a lot of people clamoring for a title shot. There's no damn way you get the title shot yet, man. Like, come on. Um, Sterling is next, but I have no problem with him taking on one of the top three or four guys. But anyways, that's my question for you this week, man. What do you think is next for Frankie? It is what it is, kids. You know, it's always 420. Yeah, dude. In no way do I think Frankie's in the conversation for a title shot right now at 135. And I know some people might scoff at this, but I kind of like to see... I kind of like to see him fight Jose Aldo again, dude. Give him a crack at Jose. I know that Aldo is coming off a loss. I know Frankie just won. I know Jose has already beat him twice, but they never fought at 135, and I think that would really even the odds a little bit more. Like we talked about in the in the Twitter questions with Frankie kind of being in the twilight of his career, I just don't see him, you know, being at a point where he can challenge for the for the strap at 135. However, he could still get two or three more wins against guys, you know, in that. 10 to 5 range, which Aldo is, even coming off the loss. So I would love to see a third fight with Jose Aldo. I think it'd be more competitive. Being them both at 135, I think it'd be fun. I think it would be appropriate. I'm for it, dude. So yes, I would very much like to see Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, uh, run it back for the third time at 135. Thank you so much, my dear friend, Jim, and I'm so glad you got your sticker and that you like it, and I hope it hangs up in your office, and you remember that you are an OG member of this Rhino gang. So that is going to take us into our 10 rounds with Rhino with Rafian Superstats, two-time NCAA champion, not one but two, and Bellator 135er. I think he's going to be a champion one day. I think if you watch him, you'll, you'll feel that same way too. So let's get into it with Rafian Superstats. 
Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. We have got ourselves a fantastic treat today. My man, Bellator, 145er, coming straight out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin at Rufus Fort. Rafian Stotts, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. No problem. Appreciate the introduction. Oh, absolutely, bro. I'm absolutely super soaked to have you on. We've been following your career for a long time. I'm over the moon. I'm excited. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I even listened to a little bit of Metallica before I came yeah. here. Oh, just because I wanted to get extra fired up for a Rufus Ford guy. So, Rafael, like my, my listeners know, nine times out of ten, my first question for the first ten rounds of Rhino is, I got to know the origin story, dude. How did you go from being a phenomenal two-time NCAA Division II champion in wrestling Ooh. to getting into mixed martial arts? Man, the, my story was crazy. It's actually – um. Jens Pover, who was the first uh, ever lightweight champion. Uh, little evil, little evil. Little evil, yeah, man. Little <laughs> evil was doing a. He was starting a gym in um in Kearney, Nebraska, of all places, where I was, where I had won the uh, two national championships, and um some of my friends were doing MMA, and they asked me to come uh just to help. I was I was helping out, finishing up my degree, helping out uh doing the um coaching at, at the university and they asked me to come and, and do some classes uh, just coach wrestling teach everybody like fundamentals of wrestling uh at this gym where gents was and gents was training for like a fight one of his last last couple fights he was training for and um yeah so i mean gents got me to freaking i met gents you know he got me to do some jujitsu got me to do some boxing taught me a bunch of stuff and then he was like hey man you might as well you might as well jump into a fight, you know, <laughs> and then he, like, <laughs> you know, dragged me out to to a fight, and I loved it, you know what I mean, and um, yeah, and then then after that he freaking told, or the gym ended up um shutting down, and he was moving back to um to Iowa because he was doing went to Warrior in Australia, and so like me and him, like I packed up all my stuff and moved out. Moved out with him. My homie Josh Smith was already out there um, in Iowa. And, yeah, so I came out there, uh, moved out there, and freaking started training. Then I then I started training with, like, Pat Militage and, and, and the guys over there in Iowa at Militage's Fighting Systems. And um, Pat Militage uh, introduced me to uh, Duke Rufus, and, and he told me that I should come out to Rufus Sport. So, I mean, that's pretty much I pretty much had the who's who like beginning. Yeah. You know? I had <laughs> some pretty like G G trainers and G um like old school vets, you know, to uh to help me get started. Yeah, dude, there's no I, there's no gym that has at least at that from the early stages of of the UFC that produced more champions than Militech Fighting Systems. My right. God, you talk about yeah. Hughes, Little Evil, uh, Pat himself. Exactly. Everybody, man. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> <Robbie Lawler> freaking. <laughs> yeah, man. right. Uh, Tony Fricklin trained there. I mean, yep. this, was, this this was the who's who. So you're you're god dang right. You had a great uh, catapult from the very beginning. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Was, so I, I I attribute a lot of my um like a lot of my success to like the coaches I was able to have, you know, cause I wasn't, sure. I, I didn't, you know, form a lot of bad habits, you know, and everybody that I had pretty much coach coaching me, um, they fit well with my style and, um, yeah, man. So I've been blessed. Yeah, dude, for sure. That's amazing. Uh, so being such a highly touted wrestler, obviously a two time, uh, national champion, obviously wrestling is your base. I mean, it's the thing that you know, the most that you have the most experience with, 
but you did have to learn. And obviously we just talked about your trainers. You had to learn kind of trial by fire about learning jujitsu and learning your stand-up game. How difficult was that transition to go from, okay, it's okay that I'm on my back here, or it's okay that I need to shrimp in this position, not just try to, you know, buck and get them completely off of me. Was that a, was that really hard after all the years of, uh, of wrestling for you? You know, I recently, I just started, um, so about five years ago is what, when I moved to Rufus Sport, and that was really when I started, um, like, traditional jujitsu training, and that was because of my um, professor, Daniel Wanderlei. Um, it's a funny story, like, once I, I came to Rufus Sport to visit, um, to see if it was a gym I wanted to go to, I came to, I must have come to, like, an amateur uh, practice, and um, so I was there, I was training with the guys or whatever, and, and I kind of felt like I was kind of getting the better of everybody and I, I wasn't really being challenged. And that was the reason I was moving from uh, military's fighting systems, just because because um, I felt like I was I was needing to grow and I needed some people better than me to help me grow. And um, I was able to, you know, dominate or I was able to get away with a lot of stuff because of my wrestling, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I talked to uh, Pat and Pat was like, hey, you should go to Rufus Sport because they can get your stand up uh, good and they're good on the ground. Um, or no, he, he just told me about the, uh, the striking of it. So I never even, uh, thought about them being good at, um, you know, the ground, but I went there, it was on a grappling day and, um, yeah, I kind of got the better of people. And so then, uh, my professor, Daniel Wanderlei was like, you know, kind of like impromptu was like, Hey, uh, let's, let's go around, um, you know, uh, before, before it's all done, let's go around or whatever. And it's like a three minute round. So an amateur round and, um, and I went with him, and he tapped me, like, probably five or six times, I think, <laughs> like, within three Wow. Minutes. Yeah, and I was like, God, dog, you know? And, uh, you know, and it just, like, it blew my mind. And then also it was like, man, I got to come back here, uh, you know, just to, like, this Brazilian dude beat the mess out of me. So I got to come back here at least to get my <laughs> licks back or get get him back, you know? So, sure, sure. So the grappling was actually the reason I came um, came to Rufus Sport. I knew they were really good at striking. Um you know, but I had before I had having haven't even been coached by Duke Rufus or been to a practice where the, the good uh, strikers were um, the grappling of uh, Daniel Wanderlei, um That's that's what got me to uh, come to Rufus sport. And so then I, um, you know, started doing jujitsu um, traditionally and start, you know, started from a white belt, um, you know, learned all the fundamentals, learned, learned all the basics. And um, I think it's I mean, it's it's obviously, you know, helped me out in um Help me out in my fights and just for the simple fact that I'm yeah, like you said, I'm comfortable on my back now. You know, I have I have options. I know I know what to do, you know, if I'm there. You know, I'm not I'm not worried, I'm not freaking out, I'm not uh spazzing out because somebody takes me down, you know what I mean? Where right. which, which it rarely happens, but when it happens, you know, I always have an answer. So Oh, that's awesome, dude. Uh we're switching gears a little bit, Rafian. There is um I've got listeners, thankfully, and, you know, shout out to the Rhino Gang. i got listeners from all over the country, all over the world. But, you know, I, I live in the Midwest. You live in the Midwest. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm from here. You started out life in Texas where the, yeah. climate, the climate is vastly different yep. here in the Midwest than it is down there. Have you adjusted to the brutal fucking winters that we have up here? Like, is, that, <laughs> is that something that you're just like every time comes around, you're like, I can't believe. That this is where I've chosen to live. You know with how goddamn cold it is up here. <laughs> every single year, every single year, I say the same thing. Like, why the hell am I here? And I keep moving. I keep managing to move north. You know, uh, keep right. moving up. I went from um, Houston, Texas, to Kansas, 
Then I went to, uh, was that, Nebraska, and then Iowa. Now I'm in uh, Wisconsin. I'm like, man, I just don't get enough, you know? These little <laughs> women, but you, know, <laughs> you know what? I've heard, um, you know, um, it was either while I was in college or um, a little bit before I was in college, Like I want to say like uh, seven of the ten, it was like ten decades, seven of the ten decades, the, the national championship, uh, or there was more, uh, national champions uh, in wrestling out of the Midwest than there was in any other uh, region of the the world, and I feel like oh. it's because of the freaking uh, the the winners, <laughs> the bro. I feel like the cold breeds uh, mental toughness, you know. Because <laughs> I couldn't agree it's more. Hard man, it's, it's, it's a hard life to uh, live in the cold. Like to work in the cold, man, it's a it's hard, bro. Yeah, dude, coming up in the Detroit area, we were right up against the water. You're in Milwaukee, which is right up against the water. Yeah. And it's it's a whole other thing. Like, people don't realize that, like, people in the middle of our states don't get it as bad as those of us who are right up against the water. Man, that lake that, effect. That lake yeah, effect is something effect. else, bro. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> and I thought it was right. – my wife was saying that before. Like, oh, it's the lake effect. It'll be chill. Like, you should probably – like it's not it's not cold um where we are but like once we get there it's gonna be chillier and I'm like okay yeah whatever whatever yeah uh, the lake effect the water gonna make it colder but that's <laughs> horrible, it's true dude. bro it's true it, it is true and I think you're right I, I totally subscribe to your theory that it makes us tougher over here uh so we talked about it a little bit earlier the University of Nebraska Kearney that has produced some major not only wrestling talent like Terval I hope I'm saying his name right yep, Terval Delagniev uh, yep. Of course, yourself, uh, Dakota Cochran wrestled there. I yep. know, and maybe people have heard of this guy, uh, Kamaru Usman, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe the, him, the UFC you know? welterweight champion of the world, yeah, something like that. people have heard of that name before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, just yeah. you got to kind of walk us through your time there. Like, you know, how is this, uh, how is this university, like, put out so many great wrestlers and MMA fighters, do you think? Man, so um, when I when I originally uh, made made the decision to come to um, uh, Nebraska at Kearney, it was because of my the that that was what um, that was what the the push on my recruiting trip was. I knew um, the the training partners that I had was either I was either they were either national champions or like very highly um, very highly ranked um, in the division that I wanted to wrestle in. So. I knew that if I so I came there being a 49 pounder, the 49 pounder um, back would have been a returning national champion. It was T.J. Hepburn, and I had wrestled T.J. Hepburn in a um, in a match before, and he beat the mess out of me. So um, he beat me at like 157, where I was wrestling up, but like he just <laughs> he just like slammed my head against the the mat. Kind of <laughs> but so the reason I was coming there is because I knew that. Um, I would either have to beat this guy to to be the national champion, or you know um, he would move, or somebody would move around, and we would would be great. Part, but I knew I would have a great uh, training partner to help me progress in wrestling. And so um, I think that's you know the they they've been able to kind of breathe that throughout for the um, for the last what six seven years, you know, um, whereas sure. they haven't they haven't actually uh, or they haven't been back to the the national uh champion um status but they've they've been in the top i want to say uh top five five or six uh here consecutively you know and that was that uh coach mark bauer had like a 
brilliant mind for recruiting and he was um he was he was really big on giving giving kind of kids like second chances um so like like a kid like me where um you know I had a lot of potential um I had started wrestling really late or whatever but um you know I started progressing because I, I really did dived in in the junior college I was in um Romero Cotton I don't know if you heard of him he's a uh, a four-time finalist, three-time All-American. Um, he had um, an incident where he had to go to, um, he had to be incarcerated for a short time for, uh, you know, something he, a mistake he made as a um, a child, you know, um, or you know, a minor. And um, you know, he he was a uh, he was a good person, you know, he just made a mistake. And so uh, right. Mark Bauer, I mean, he was good at like bringing those kids in, and not only um, not only not only like uh, using their wrestling talents, but also like helping uh, redirect their lives, kind of. You know, um, Daniel DeSantis yeah. was another was another three time um, I think three time national champion, and um, yeah, he was another kid that you know he he went to D one. Um, you know, maybe uh, it didn't work out there for him. You know, um, Coach Bauer found him, and actually, you know, we all knew each other. I, uh, me, Chase Nelson, Josh Smith. Uh, Patrick Martinez, um, who was also a um, Olympic Olympic wrestler, Patrick Martinez. He's from from University of Nebraska too. Um, yeah, they. I mean, we we all have the right attitude. We just needed a little redirection, and and I think they were really good at doing that. You know, that was the same deal with Kamara Usman. Kamara Usman, um, he had transferred from a, a D1. Uh, Mark Bauer um, got in touch with him. I think through somebody he knew in Texas, and. Um, yeah, they was able to, you know, change his, redirect his life and, and you know, change for the better. Well, clearly, whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. Because, my goodness, you look at one one page full of talent, you're like, oh, my God, that's from one Yeah, school. he came from there, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable, dude. So, uh, moving on to this aspect, but you talked about a little bit in your, uh, your post-fight presser. So, all combat sports, as we know, they require a lot of mental toughness, which is equally important, if not more, than the physical. Uh, we saw you talking to yourself on the stool between rounds versus uh, Call Bell. Uh, you were talking about like your self affirmations and and you know kind of uh, envisioning success and giving yourself that mental motivation. When did you start doing that, and what like what are some of the benefits you've, you've seen from it? Um, I actually started doing that during um, the like the COVID quarantine uh, you know uh, time because um, yeah. I couldn't really. I couldn't train as much as I wanted to because the gyms were closed. So I was, you know, stuck to my basement and um, kind of having run it. I was just running and, and pretty much training with a bag in my basement, shadow boxing a lot. And so um, I was I was trying to add <laughs> something else, you know, so I figured it would be a good time for me to read up on mental training and, um, you know, read some books and um, kind of train my mind. So um, the mental af- affirmation thing was something my teammate actually, uh, Sergio, Pettis had posted about um posted about doing uh before his last fight uh his not the fight he just had but the fight with uh Alfred Kazakian or something oh okay okay yeah um yeah so he posted about that and um I had I read it and and I decided you know to um to add that to my to my daily routine so um you know I took the one he had posted and I uh, modified it for myself and I just started, you know, reciting it pretty much every day, you know, a uh, couple, probably, you know, uh, 
30 times a day just, um, you know, reciting that same thing to myself. And every time I would shadow box, every time I would uh, do rounds or every time I would go on a run, you know, I'd um, I recite that to myself to where it was, you know, becoming uh, uh, b- became a part of me. And, be- you know, I felt like I, I um, embraced it. Yeah, dude, that's all. No, that's amazing. And that that's something that I think in the uh, old school mentality wouldn't be accepted much. But I think yeah. the more that we the more that we hear uh, newer generation fighters really exploring this this aspect or, this, you know, this being a tool that you can use for success. I think the more people are going to uh, look into it and possibly adopt it, which I think is great. So uh, kudos to you for pulling it out. So, so, so. In doing so, some research, yes, in doing some research for this interview, I came across a video where I saw the next generation of Stotts running on the mat and possibly giving <laughs> the cutest, the cutest bye-bye I've ever seen to a camera. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, you did not start wrestling until high school. If your son shows interest, are you going to be all about him starting wrestling from an earlier age? If he's if he's already interested in it, are you going to be like? You know, I'm definitely behind you. I'm going to coach you. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be our thing. Yeah. Um. Oh, so uh, my perspective on it, wrestling has definitely. I mean, I feel like it's the great. It's a great sport. It um. It enhanced my life uh, tremendously. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today without it. Um. However, I don't. I mean, if if my son wants to do it, I think that's awesome. You know, I'm I'm gonna support him 100. I'll be behind him. I don't want to be his coach because I feel like. Uh, I don't like the relationship, you know, it brings, uh, I feel like <laughs> coaching your son, uh, kind of, kind of messes up your father son relationship. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be that, uh, father, like pushing him to do something. You know, I want to be somebody that's encouraging him to, um, do it if he wants to do it. So, um, like if he, if he shows interest and he wants to do it, I'm, I'm a hundred percent behind him. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't need to like live like through my son. So, if he doesn't want to do it, if he wants to do something else, I'm 100 percent. I'm 100 percent behind him. You know what I mean? Sure, so it's sure. Pretty much whatever, whatever he wants to do. I don't. I feel like wrestling definitely, like <clears throat> for me especially, it taught me uh, like how to be a man. It taught me uh, hard work. It taught me, uh, you know, uh, even though, even though you might be succeeding or even uh, you might not get the, you know, the credit that you feel like you deserve, but that's okay. You know, you keep pushing. So. I appreciate wrestling and, and, and everything like that, but I don't need, I don't, I don't feel like I need my son to wrestle. Sounds great, dude. And you know what, the way you answered that, that like almost perfectly transitioned to our next one. So by literally all accounts, you're one of the nicest, most fun guys to be around in the sport. I feel like we have kind of similar personality, you know, light, keep it fun, always smiling. Yeah. That, that's just kind of, you know, that's just kind of our personalities, but uh, yes, sir. For, for me, when it came down to competition, I, like I was I was just nervous all day and, you know, like anxious and jittery. And, and I couldn't switch on until I heard the bell ring. Like I was actually in the ring and the dude's across from me and everybody's ready to go. And the bell rings. That's when I can flip the switch. When are you able to kind of put yourself in that different mentality where, look, dude, we're in the hurting business and it's time to go. Like, when does that happen for you? You know what? It wasn't uh, for me. I was I'm still like struggling with when I want to turn on my switch. Um, My teammate, me and my teammate were talking about it. And it's always it seems to me when I feel like I don't I don't switch. I don't seem to flip the switch until like I feel like the other guy disrespects me or he hits me or or something. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. um, I need to work on and, and, and for me before. 
was flip flip the switch for me was like mentally thinking, okay, he's beat me already. You know what I mean? He's our I'm coming into this match or I'm coming into this fight thinking, oh, he's won already. He's got his hand already because that ignites, you know, kind of a rage <laughs> inside yeah, of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having sure. somebody else having somebody else won. Uh, like beat me like that. That makes me mad. So, you know, so I, I, I was doing that. <laughs> I was doing that for a while. And then um, after I had lost one or no, before I had lost my, my the, the only fight I lost as a pro, um, like I, I was doing that where I was imagining him like winning or whatever. But it wasn't it didn't seem like real. Or I didn't I didn't uh, I took it for granted. Like I didn't um, it didn't ignite the same thing because I didn't feel like it was going to happen type of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like after a while, like after me winning a couple of times, it, it kind of got to where it was like. Uh, like, uh, it's far fetched. Even me, like imagining him win, when it was far fetched. So it didn't like really ignite nothing right away. So, um, I mean, that's what I I've been using, but um, I don't know. I I don't really know. Um, yeah, this dude, time it's, I feel it's, like it's a I process. waited. I waited to the uh, I waited to the the last round to kind of uh, to uh, it, uh, turn it on, switch. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, well, so that, I'm that, still that, figuring that, it out. <laughs> That ended up with an RNC for you in yeah. the third round. So that was a yeah. It worked yeah. out okay. It worked out. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. So everybody who listens to my show knows there's always at least one. It's almost obligatory at this point. There's always one food question in my 10 yeah. rounds with Rhino. So, homie, the fight is done. No more wake up for a while. It's time to smash something for the post-fight Ooh. dinner. What are you getting and where are you getting it Ooh. from? Man, it's this place, and it's it's sucks because it's like maybe three blocks away from my house. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> so I love this freaking volcano chicken sandwich, man. It's got jalapenos on it, chickens, pepper jack cheese, freaking uh, and uh, uh, break chicken. It's like it's so delicious. It's a uh, mayonnaise mustard, freaking sloppy, and then I'm gonna oh, get some chili dude. cheese fries. But however. Uh, my other, my other, so I got a couple. I got like a lot okay. of stuff. That I, <laughs> I, I also like, um, so there's a place called Maxi's here in uh, Milwaukee, and they serve uh, jambalaya, and um, I love it. It's so, it's so, you know what I'm saying, delicious, but it costs like $20, $30 for a plate. Jeez, oh, peace. Is it yeah, laced with gold? What the, what the fuck? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's got, it's like chicken shrimp. Uh yeah, so I made my own jambalaya and uh it came out good, you know, and I'm I'm pretty proud. Uh I think that's going to be my my uh after after fight tra- tradition now. Oh, dude, that sounds fantastic. I'm not a huge seafood guy and when I was down in New Orleans for college spring break, they were like, "No, you got to have it as it is with the shrimp and everything in it." And it was phenomenal. So Man, I'm a big so jambalaya good. fan. I'm <laughs> so good. So that sounds awesome, dude. So now Rafael, we have moved into the 10th round. We've careened our way to the end. I know. It's gone by so fast. It always does. This is the wild card round where anything can happen. You got to put your cap on, out of the box. (laughs) It could be anything. It's crazy. All right. So, you, the Pettis brothers, Paul Felder, Emmanuel Sanchez, Jordan Griffin, and Mike Biggie Rhodes have decided to go into the music business. You are forming a group. A musical group that will take over the charts by storm. What kind of <laughs> <laughs> what kind of genre of music do you want to do, and what will you do in the band? 
care if I did one solo record. The solo record, I'm going to start in country. Okay. And oh, my goodness. Then it's going <laughs> <laughs> to ease on to hip hop. And then I'm going to probably, in, in the group, I'm going to definitely be the, the, the rapper. I'm going to definitely be the freestyle. I'm going to definitely be the front man. You know what I'm saying? Because I got to oh, get my dude. out and I got to get my freestyles out. <laughs> Never before would the charts be ready for a solo country album from Rafion Stotts, two-time NCAA champion, followed up by a phenomenal hip-hop, and then followed up by a super group full with Rufus Sport. Fantastic pros. I'm so for it. I hope this comes to fruition at some point. I can't wait to, can't wait to see the music video. <laughs> <laughs> be fine. I need to call him up. We got big uh, they, dude. There's great ideas that get planted. The seeds get planted here on Combat Sports with Ron and Rafion. They get they get planted and they can grow into uh, into amazing things if we let them. So, dude, I gotta tell you, this was one of the most fun interviews I've ever had. Obviously, I'm a big fan. I'm, I've been stoked to have you on. I want to say how much I appreciate you being as uh, forthcoming and fun and entertaining and lighthearted as you were. Really, really appreciate you coming on today, dude. Hey, no problem. This is definitely one of the f- most funnest Im- interviews I've had. So. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I apologize for the uh, technical problems we had for a couple of parts, but don't worry. We'll clean those up in uh, in post. They're, 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 you won't even know what happened. <laughs> cool. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much, Rob. And hopefully we'll we'll, uh, we'll give you a shout again after your next fight. We'll, we'll catch back up. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks, brother. We'll talk to you later. This is Rafion Superstats, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Dude, I absolutely loved that interview. Rafael could not have been cooler or nicer and funnier. Man, sometimes it just clicks, and that was definitely an example of that. I can't wait to see Rafael fight next. Huge, huge fan uh, of his fighting style and of his personality. Great dude. Thank you so much for being on, my brother. So I want to give our shout-outs to all the question askers in the Rhino gang for this week's show. Jessica, Wholesome MMA, Rage Sweet Potato, my homie Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast, the big homie Jim Assoon, also, to everybody else in the Rhino Gang, G, Mike, Kairos from Shots Fired Podcast. Check that one out. It is awesome. The ladies of the TKO pod, Ashley, the MMA nerd from the MMA nerd podcast, my girls, Pokemama, my very dear friend, Lanta Brown, Trouble, Mixed the Man, Scott Nolan, all the homies of the MCCI, everybody in the Rhino Gang who helps out every week, who listens, who participates. Love you guys. Definitely big shout out to Drea, my feature player. Great job today. The best engineer in the biz, D Reigns, my homie Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, that solo shoes, the Einstein of graphic design. The man does my posters. The man is, is a genius at graphic design. Check his stuff out at Dave Fretz, at solo shoes on Twitter and Instagram. My brother, uh, thank you guys all so much for being a part of the show this week. Thank you guys so much for everything you do. Let's all be kind to each other. Let's have a great week. Stay safe, stay together. I love you guys, and we will see you next week. K-Side!